welcome to another episode of Between the Post. My name is Tyler Vaughn, and we couldn't be happier to have you here today, whether you are a returning listener, if that's the case, we greatly appreciate you, uh, or if you are a new listener and you have just come across us on one of the many players that you can find Between the Post, we are grateful and happy to have you. <clears throat> We've come off of quite a few weeks of having some truly world-class guests. As I look back and and really reflect on on some of the the, the guys that we've had on. Um, I always uh, am, am essentially taking steps back, thinking, how in the world have we been so lucky to talk to such brilliant soccer coaches' minds, uh, leaders in today's game, and frankly, a lot of the coaches that we bring on and everything that we're discussing, describing, you know, on between the posts, we're, we're, we're talking about coaches just like these guys that have been on so far. Uh, I wanted to, to lead off this week is. Um, we have uh, yet again a phenomenal topic, I believe, a, a topic that, that digs into <clears throat> coaching in general, especially in soccer, but also realistically this is, this is going to bleed over into, to frankly, any sport where, where coaches, um, you know, we, we have certain, certain tasks, certain uh, methodologies, and, and though the sport might be slightly different, um, obviously as coaches uh, there are many similarities across any sport uh, whether it's on a field or a court uh, or elsewhere. So <clears throat> we thought, here we are facing uh, the fall season uh, around the corner. What better of a topic to take a look at than trying to prepare our coach listeners out there for a productive and positive season ahead? Um, I take a lot of inspiration from the guys that we've had on, um, and, and I think that hopefully today, in every episode that we do, we tackle, whether it's with a guest or without a guest, we're trying to incorporate that motivation, inspiration, and education philosophy that uh, we try to weave into every single episode on Between the Post. Today is certainly no different. With today's topic, diving into the five habits of truly effective coaches. Um, the, the five habits, obviously, is, is one of the things that c- connects coaches, again, across many, many sports, and I think truly connects leaders across uh, sport, uh, whether it's professionally uh, in an office or, or, again, obviously out on a field somewhere. I think that hopefully these things uh, are reminders to a lot of our listeners, but uh, the, the main goal that we go through here uh, is to always provide context, to always provide some type of uh, either it's a new way of thinking about the the old things, the same things, but hopefully we're also inspiring you as a coach or you as a player one day around the corner uh, sooner than we all know it. Uh, you, the player, uh, hopefully will become the coach of the future. And uh, we hope that some of the things that you hear here today will instill a confidence in you, uh, whether you're a leader on a team and a captain, uh, you don't have to be a coach to, to learn from what we're going to go through today, of course. Uh, whether you're a parent uh, that's on the sidelines, um, that works in an, in an office setting, there are leadership qualities of people that in every aspect of life, I, I don't think it's a, necessarily a bad thing to, to be a leader uh, for sure. So we're going to dive into it. Again, the five habits of truly effective coaches. This week, it's just me. So uh, if I've lost 50% of my viewers or my listeners, rather, I apologize for those of you that have stuck around. We're grateful. But no, in all seriousness, uh, we wanted to dive into this. And um, we've got some, uh, again, some really great guests that are going to be coming on to the show in the coming weeks. Uh, You know, I think that as we reflect on the summer and we reflect on who we've who we've had on uh, Coach Carl DeWazian, obviously Coach Bradley, 
uh, Coach Zach, Tom from out in Denver. Uh, you know, the, these guys uh, are are leaders in my eyes, and for sure I think that the players that are looking up to them as well, the coaches also around them that are looking up to them, um, you know, I think that, that if we had to to have all of these guys kind of on a round table jump on, uh, I hope and, and believe very truly from all the conversations that I've had with them that they believe and would believe very strongly in these five habits. Now, listen, there are 500 habits, I would imagine, of truly effective coaches um, at every single level, right, uh, from the, the, the Premier League sideline down to the you know, the academy sideline uh, to the rec level and everything in between. You know, I, I, we always try to serve the, the, the large picture here in terms of the coaches. And, and really, I'm trying to give as much information, as much context, and, and as, as much of a, a pathway for, for any coach at any position, right? There is a challenge to, for us on this particular show to try to reach the college coach, to try to reach the youth coach, and to try to reach the high school coach. Um, and I, you know, I, I hope that we're trying to do it the right way. And, and I, you know, and I don't get too caught up on the numbers. I do always want to thank everyone out there for listening. Uh, I do take a peek at the numbers, but again, as I've said so many times, this wasn't about gaining numbers and listeners necessarily. It's about helping the individual, whether it's one coach or or a hundred coaches, uh, parents, goalkeepers, players, whoever you might be. You know, this is a podcast for you that we're trying to help you become a better version of yourself, whether it's on the field, on the sideline, or from the bench. That That is the goal. Uh, it's not to analyze data and to see how many people have liked and reviewed. Trust me, that stuff does help. Don't get me wrong. Um, you, you know, but at the end of the day, the reflections that I'm doing and that we're doing here are really trying to encourage other coaches, other players, and other parents out there, again, to improve some aspect that you're struggling in or or allow a podcast that you can come and you can listen to weekly that you can relate to. That's what we're all about here. I hope that this is a phenomenal episode. Um, if it's not and you have suggestions, man, I would love to hear them because you know one of the challenging things about what we're doing on Between the Posts is that we're, we are so desperately digging into the best content, the best guest uh, that we can possibly find over the topics that we know are relevant to, to coaches, players, parents out there. But if you have a topic that you're struggling with, uh, I think that you know as we approach the season ahead, um, no matter when you're listening to this episode, whether you're preparing for the season ahead or you're in the middle of a season, uh, there are so many things that you're going to face on the field and off the field. And we know that those challenges might seem insurmountable. They might seem like you're the only coach out there that's facing it. You're the only player that's struggling um, or you're the only parent that maybe just doesn't know how quite to communicate uh, something to your particular player. We want to we wanna tackle those ideas, those concepts, and either make you feel better, help you, educate you, support you, whatever it might be, through the platform that is between the post. So we hope that you found this. Uh, you're still going to stick with us. And I, I, I'd like to think uh, in the beginning here that those of you that are new listeners and returning listeners, that you're returning for a reason. And that reason is that you do like what we're doing. And hopefully, um, like us, we're striving to improve the game of soccer and make an impact on current players and future players, as well as coaches uh, and parents. So we're going to dive right in and you know, uh, as we were building out and kind of thinking through what are the five habits, again, we, you know, you kind of start with this big picture idea and, and the list is a mile long and then you have to drill down on 
Um, some of the most critical, uh, applicable, whatever it might be, topics and ideas for, for really those effective coaches. Now, effective coaches don't have to be coaches only at the collegiate and professional level. So let's just make that very clear. Some of the most effective coaches I've ever been around are coaches that are coaching at the youth levels. And I think that the challenges are obviously very unique at the collegiate, uh, the high school, and the youth level, uh, as well as the professional professional levels. They're They're unique to to the challenges they're facing. And the players are similar yet very different, and the coaching um, philosophy has to to kind of uh, be uh, unique to the level, obviously, of the player you are working with. So we're trying to, to give a, a broad idea here, concept, and five broad with supporting examples and, and some context, again, around this, but five habits that we felt that any coach at any level, anywhere, uh, would be able to benefit from doing these things either more effectively or for the upcoming season, potentially considering building this into what you are, what you're, what you're looking to do um, with your teams in the upcoming season to improve yourself and to improve the players that you are working with on a daily basis. So we hope that this will um, c- communicate that, as well as give you. Uh, a, a, something to shoot for potentially and to work towards over the next few months as you guys and gals tackle um, games, training sessions, and everything in between. You know, we'll start off today. So the, you know, the philosopher Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. You know, Emerson states, do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And then obviously JFK, leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Uh, there are a million hours worth of YouTube videos, everything in between that talks about leadership, that talks about inspiration. I'm a big fan of all of them, but I think that as we dive into what things other great coaches are doing every day and 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 what what task what what concepts what mindset they go through are they going above and beyond well well yes most are but how do i relate as a normal guy or a normal gal how do i relate as a normal coach to what these excellent great coaches uh, we'll call them are doing you know because not everybody can take time off during the summer and go watch other coaches right that's just not realistic for where you or you or i might be so how can we find some common ground and i improve myself as a coach that's what today's episode is trying to do you know you could read uh, probably about a, a a million articles out there on phenomenal coaches but i find that the tough thing to be able to do when i'm reading some of these articles is to connect with the actual coach i i often have found myself when i'm going through this process right and trying to learn from others and and we find ourselves stuck in this particular rut of i cannot relate to this particular person because it's not my full-time job. And I think that most of the coaches out there, most of the listeners out there, you know, coaching's not your full-time gig. Um, and for that, you face a very unique challenge. Uh, I, I hope that this helps you. I hope that we can provide some context and examples for what I'm going to just call the average coach. And I'm one of them, right? We have we have jobs and, and our main job and our main source of income for our family isn't coaching. We probably are coaching because we're passionate about soccer. We're passionate about uh, helping youth and, and helping the next generation of player. So I want to make sure that on this particular episode, we're trying to connect uh, it's not a it's not a a, a non reality right, but but with this 
you know, this whatever this philosophy, this concept of the perfect coach is with the rest of us, right? The the average Joe, let's just say, in terms of coaching, because you know, listen, I, I'm not defined uh, by the the diplomas that I have. I'm not defined, hopefully, by um, the fact that I am a full time coach or not a full time coach. We hope that we're all defined by our passion. Um, again, as a coach, as an individual for youth sports, whether it's soccer or another sport. So we're hoping to connect, uh, you know, and I think that we have to consider um, what are some of the similarities? You know, what are the things that great coaches are doing every single day that make them great? You know, is it their ability to inspire, uh, to educate, uh, to motivate? Or are coaches and leaders really just the same thing in different settings? And I think that probably coaches and leaders are definitely the same thing in different settings. And it's how, how you go about it, right? Some leaders are loud. Uh, they lead from the front. Some leaders are a little bit quieter. And they don't lead from the back. They just lead it in a very unique and different way. So today's episode, we're going to try to tackle the five habits as we have thought through them of truly effective coaches and the first one we came up with was make training. So again, we're talking from a coaching, uh, a coaching soccer. Uh, you could connect this with really any sport for sure, but but from the soccer perspective, make training more challenging and more demanding than the game you face each week. And a lot of these uh, we tried to tackle and and tie in for these different habits of great coaches, not just what the coach can be doing themselves for their own benefit and growth, but what the coach can be doing for their benefit and growth as well as the players they are coaching. And I think that's a very important concept to remember. So number one, make training more challenging and more demanding than the game you face each week. This isn't an easy one, right? It seems pretty simple on the outside looking in, but frankly, as we dive into it a little bit more in detail, this isn't really a very simple concept. And a lot of phenomenal coaches struggle with building out training sessions that are rigorous, building out training sessions that are applicable to the games we play, and building out training sessions that balance both the rigor and the fun, because that is kind of one of our main goals as coaches, to ensure that players are having fun in the games that they play. So great coaches realize that you know competition is not uh, quite the time to find out where your athlete's physical and mental limits are, right? It's not in the game. That's not what we're really trying to look for. We try to train them, uh, to challenge them, and to set up more demanding uh, sessions ahead of that big match, that big game, that both physically, mentally, um, technically, tactically, and even emotionally as well, uh, push these players to to that competitive limit uh, that they're looking to prepare for. So that when they are in that big moment where they are uh, hypothetically pushed to the edge, they have experienced it before. It's not the first time, you know. And I think. This is a critical aspect that coaches um, in our sport are starting to learn. Um, it it, it is, was not always the that way, I don't feel, uh, from talking to a lot of coaches that we didn't quite understand how to push players to the limits um, in soccer with without it looking like a, a fitness session, right? And I think that that's where we're evolving uh, as a coaching um, group uh, as as different uh, levels of coaches out there were evolving at every single level that the training can be rigorous training can be physical it can be demanding but it it can also be much more uh, than a a session with suicides uh, or or just loads and loads of running so you know I think the bottom line is this 
as often as players can condition with the ball at their feet, um, and this is probably a completely separate uh, podcast episode to be fair, but I think that if we can incorporate the ball uh, as much as possible while we are pushing them, while we are challenging them, uh, I think that 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 provides an environment that, that, that really can correlate with a player and their brain to the games uh, and the scenarios that they're going to face on the weekends under pressure. And I think that that conditioning is ultimately where we want to try to push them and try to get them to be. Uh, Pushing them with the ball at their feet is obviously very different and very unique. And every single one of us out there that is a coach and that has played understands that uh, running as fast as you possibly can from one side of the field to another is phenomenal if you're the fastest guy or gal out there. But doing it with the ball at your feet is obviously extremely unique and different. Uh, the same can be said for goalkeeping as well. Uh, you know, we, we like to try to bring in the goalkeeper perspective as much as possible. But, you know, just going out and taking shots straight on or taking shots where, where you're balanced and, and, you know, the situation is in front of you and the situation is predictable, you know, ultimately that's not what you're going to face on the weekends. And we as goalkeepers and coaches, we all know these things, but we sometimes struggle to remember them as we are planning these training sessions. And I think, you know, I challenge uh, often, I try, uh, and I also try to live by this as well when I'm out there um, training kids and remembering all the things that I'm challenging everyone else to do. But, you know, I, I challenge you to think from that perspective of what's going to prepare my players to be successful when there is way more pressure around them uh, in the game than they have on the training field. And how can I make my training sessions look similar and feel similar to that? And that's going to ultimately uh, help help your players connect um, again mentally with with that uh, we'll call it pain and suffering because it sounds a lot more terrifying than it right really might be but I mean truthfully with pushing them to that limit it's going to help them connect with that so that when they experience it in a game they have been there they have done that and it's not a unique new sensation for them so that's again something that we want to really think through and you know as as a player, you know you have to think of it as if I see no connection between the suicide that I'm running uh, and the game that I'm training for, then I'm probably missing the real reason that I'm killing myself not to be last in that particular exercise, right? And I think making the connection for players, uh, that is, is definitely – that's that's the work that we have to put in that translates as a coach um, to to help players achieve on game day. So, you know, the first one, make training more challenging and more demanding than the game you face each week. Now, listen, there are a dozen ways you can go about this, um, and I would highly encourage you to think about this particular aspect, even isolated on its own, even if you're not. You know, these five habits aren't things that I would expect or we would want coaches or really anyone to try to tackle all five immediately. You know, tiptoe into it. Likely out of all of these five, you're probably doing four three, four of them very well already. It's that one or two that you might want to think back through as you approach the next season that we're trying to get people to think about here. So number one, make training more challenging and more demanding than the game you face each week. So number two, never cease, again as a coach, never cease to learn and develop as a coach faster than the players you're coaching. You know, this is kind of the complacency theory, right? Where um, if you're not improving, you are getting worse. There is no such thing as staying the same in the game of soccer. So again, this is the same concept, right? Great coaches realize that success is a moving target. And, you know, frankly, great players as well understand that success is a constant moving target that is constantly evolving. And what we thought success 
represented year the year prior probably now uh, it, it could be slightly different right um, and I think s- making sure that we're, we're staying relevant uh, with uh, the commitment to lifelong learning uh, relevant lifelong learning I think is is critical there but as coaches we have to be relatively honest with ourselves and we have to evaluate ourselves and constantly be working towards improvement. That honest, personal, um, professional as well, whether it's self-evaluation or or self-reflection, uh, that uh, that's going to push you to continually improve. You know, a great example of this uh, f- to try to help paint a bit of a picture is uh, a youth director at the club level. Let's just say they have zero budget, and everyone out there is probably saying, "Yep, that's me." Um, or, or maybe you're a volunteer director, a volunteer coach, whatever it might be that's been thrust into a leadership position, whether you volunteered for it or not. Most of the time, uh, people don't volunteer for gigs like this. But you know, you're in a position, you're trying to make the best decisions possible. You're passionate about the game of soccer. You're passionate about the players, the coaches, the volunteers, the parents, uh, but you just don't have the money to support them, right? And, and you have identified a need for education, uh, coaching education. You've identified a need, uh, whether it's basic coaching education or not, to try to support the growth of the coaches so that you know that uh, your coaches are better prepared to support the growth of their players. Uh, again, uh, again, the, the, the second habit, never cease to learn and develop as a coach faster than the players you're coaching. If, if you as a coach are on the same level of the players, that provides a very challenging situation uh, where you have limited the growth that a player could potentially have. So this particular director, let's just say, with zero budget says, hey, listen, I've identified a problem here and I need to educate my coaches and support them better, these volunteers, these these parents, whoever it might be, you know, and 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 yet I don't have a budget, right? So, you know, I think this is by far the hardest role in the youth soccer community today uh, in the United States, and I think we have leaders, leaders uh, rather, who who possess more energy and passion than their budgets allow. You know, they're facing crossroads in in these positions, uh, and I think that we can't allow budgets to define our passion or. Uh, Instead, we need to really have our passion define our budgets, right? So I'll explain that because that's a little bit tricky. So uh, basically what what we're thinking through is you've got all of these passionate volunteers. You're a passionate leader. You're a passionate coach. But you're just not quite sure about how to transform and translate that passion into making an impact uh, out there on the field with the players you're working with. So, you know, this this local youth director, let's just say, is in this crazy position and he he's looking to try to bring in some quality coaching education for his coaches. You know, I'm talking basic grassroots type education, um, whatever it might be, just looking at formations and looking at do's and don'ts and uh trying to take these coaches from where they are and typically a lot of volunteers from where they are currently to where they could be to help the players. You know, let's say thinking outside of the box, he's thinking, how can I raise awareness and funds? How can I, you know, how can I, how can I bring coaching ed to, to, to this particular club that I'm working with? And, uh, this particular coach goes out, you know, he's making dozens of phone calls. He's bugging his state leadership you know, he, he eventually was able to host a Division One coach through making those phone calls and through working out there in the networks uh, and, and brought in a Division One coach to basically hold uh, an, an informal but a coaching ed seminar. And, you know, after talking to this particular guy, 
you know, he was just so grateful to to have a Division One coach come in and spend the, spend his time uh, with with the youth coaches and really a lot of volunteers that that were parents. And this is the normal situation, uh, unless you're at large clubs, that's probably not as normal. But this is the normal situation in so many communities throughout the United States. And and just I could sense the the beaming smile on his face as he explained to me, you know, the just the response that. Uh, the coach got for coming in and the support that he got for coming in. And, and I presume we were talking about this particular youth coach, right? And we were talking about the fact that, you know, the college coach that came in, I guess he, we understood it as he, he, he understood and his perspective was if I can help locally, if I can help these particular coaches impact players, you know, those players might be young now, but they're the future, right? And I think that we have to consider that, is that we're helping at these younger age groups and what we might call or deem grassroots programs, but out of those grassroots programs come come and, and evolve phenomenal players um, and phenomenal people too. So, you know, this was just, uh, I, I, this had happened so many years ago, and as we were going through this, I thought back to that, and that was just such a unique situation where where um, this particular youth director uh, was in this role, a leadership role, uh, didn't probably love that. I know he didn't love the title youth director because it was, uh, again, uh, a no-budget, no-pay uh, volunteer role, but he, he didn't allow the roadblocks of budget to, to get in the way of helping encourage his coaches to, to speed up, to, to continue to grow, and to stay ahead of the players they were coaching. Um, and, and again, through helping yourself, you know, never cease to learn and develop as a coach faster than the players you're coaching because basically you create that ceiling. Uh, and you have to push yourself just like you're expecting your players to push themselves. So number two, never cease to learn and develop as a coach faster than the players you're coaching. Uh, number three, out of the five habits of very successful coaches – uh, you know, this one came to us, it's similar to one and two, but it blends and it's different and it's all everything in between, but it's accelerate your rate of learning faster than your opposition, right? So this is kind of that coach v. coach situation here and that competitive nature that's coming out. And listen, th- this is real simple, right? The internet has ensured that there are no secrets in the sport. And frankly, there's no secret in any sport anymore. Uh, there's probably no secrets in life anymore, to be fair, if you have the ability to Google something. So, you know, I mean, in this crazy world that has evolved this uh, answer by Siri methodology, I think that everyone knows that, that 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 you have to to do things different you you've got to constantly be on the cutting edge the cusp and trying your best to grow to learn and to evolve as a coach wherever again this is critical wherever you are just by hearing me say that you have to be on the cutting edge implies you know that you've got to be out there at the top of your game well the top of your game is different than everyone else's and i think that where you are in the position you're in is very unique to you as an individual so listen anyone can get anything anytime anywhere and 99 percent of it's free uh, and frankly the difference between free and paying it, it there isn't a huge difference anymore you know, it's uh, everyone is learning something new every single day and everything they're doing. And I think great coaches understand this and they really strive to accelerate how fast they're learning. Um, and again, this this is a little more at a, uh, maybe it's at a, a youth and up level, but but probably, 
you know, the more competitive side of things that uh, where we get the, the tactical side of the game and the tactical side of coaching becomes a little more important. But, uh, you know, when you look at that particular angle, you have to tactically outsmart and outwork the opposing coach that you are you are coaching against. And I think that, you know, that that scenario encourages, we hope, encourages you as a coach to to tap into that competitive spirit that you had as a player one day or that you you know whatever uh sport you might have ended up playing if you played a sport is that that competitive nature that humans have to want to be better and i think if you can tap into that and again great coaches are doing that they're looking at any and every way that they possibly can accelerate increase their rate of learning uh so that they again are the standout coach on the sidelines every single week and they have the 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 tools and the knowledge to better support better change uh their players positionally tactically whatever it might be uh to focus them to outsmart and outplay that competition you know an example of this that that we came across was an elite coach at the youth level again uh, had an outstanding success rate with developing successful players and uh, this particular uh, this particular guy and this this one's a little unique and uh, when we were we were reading about this particular coach you know it's kind of hard to connect so we're going to try to connect this to the average show myself because I'm not doing it and most of us most of us normal coaches let's just call us out there we're not we don't have the ability to do this this is the this is the professional coach that his his job her job is to coach right at the youth level they're a director um and they're doing it full time for the rest of us though still having just as much of an impact we don't have potentially summers to go do this but you know you had this coach and what he did each and every year during the summer is he spent one month every single year or one month out of the year traveling uh, immediately following the spring season during the summer. And he traveled internationally. He went to different countries throughout Europe and throughout Central and South America. Um, And he spent time in other nations uh, looking at what other coaches were doing. Uh, And I even read as well about this particular coach that that he he didn't just stick to soccer. He actually went into other sports as well. I think rugby uh, was one of the main ones that he looked at uh, over in Europe, but you know he took an opportunity to to surround himself with other philosophies, other approaches, other styles of communication, other styles of coaching, to 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 really increase his his rate of learning and development. And it was very evident uh, that that when he returned back home, that he had that edge. He had something special that others didn't have because he was committed and dedicated. Uh, to to really improving himself as a as a well rounded coach, uh, because again, if you're if you're in your bubble and you're only thinking through your, your way, your methodology, it, it it at times becomes a bit tricky to think outside of the box and to consider other approaches without seeing them in action. And I think this particular, you know, listen, I'm I'm not able, and most of us out there aren't able to take a month, and though that would be a phenomenal opportunity and experience. You know, what can you do? What can we all do? as just the normal the normal average joe out there and it's it's go look at other sessions of other coaches at your club uh go surround yourself uh around uh what what we deem or you deem potentially or the club deems rather you know a leading a leading coach out there um uh, maybe it's going to the, the the professional team in town at at any level and, and trying to sit close and watching um and and listening to what uh the coach is doing on the sideline uh maybe it's 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, you know spending some time at a, at a high school game if there's a, a a standout high school coach in the area. But I think that there are opportunities abounding at your fingertips, and I think it's such a very simple way to just surround yourselves. And probably at the club level, it's the easiest because you can get up close and you can get up personal, and you can really, really dig in and observe what great, phenomenal coaches out there at any level, at any location in the United States are doing. Whether you have an opportunity. To go abroad or not, if you have an opportunity to go abroad, give us a call. We'd be happy to go on location with you and host a host a pod episode. But uh, I mean, I think that we have to connect these things, right? Uh, again, you know, look at your opportunities online. Right now, everything is online, and and a lot of this stuff is free. U.S. Soccer has some really great uh, classes that are going on out there. Obviously, the uh, the old NSCAA, the you know United Soccer Coaches uh, Association, they also have their own courses online. A lot of free stuff. Uh, becoming members of those two two platforms, two associations, uh, grant you access to to kind of their portal uh, with with all kinds of phenomenal. I mean, just un, unreal resources that you know you might look at and think, well, this isn't for me. We'll keep digging because I guarantee you. Even poking around for five or ten minutes, you're going to find some really great uh, content out there that, that could hopefully help you with whatever topic you might be struggling or trying to tackle that next week. Uh, increase your knowledge, awareness, and understanding of particular topics as it relates to training, um, tactically, technically, whatever it might be. So the, these resources are right there at the fingertips, but I think if you can get out, and I encourage, even if you do it once or twice over the next fall or the next spring season, wherever it might be, you know, for again, the average Joe, um, uh, I would aspire to be able to, to travel for a month uh, to Europe or Central or South America like most of you and, and just observe training sessions because guaranteed you'd learn a ton. But um, but anyways, I mean, I think those are the opportunities that we have at our fingertips to, to really consider if you're looking at how can I improve myself. Well, surely there's there's a coach or two or three or hopefully more than that that are really standout coaches that you could get around observe a training session, take some notes, look at what they're doing, look at how the players are responding and see how you could thread and weave that into what you are doing in your training sessions. Uh, So number three, accelerate your rate of learning faster than your opposition. Uh, Number four, so we're closing in on the end, hang in there. Number four, enhance your creative thinking skills. Man, I tell you what, creativity is the defining difference, I think, between good coaches and great coaches. You know, and ironically, creativity is the one thing that I think we're robbing our players of to a certain degree in youth sports. Now, with soccer, we tend to allow for more creativity. Uh, I'm not as familiar and not going to dig in too far to other sports out there. But, um, you know, I think that, that we are evolving, and certainly it's a hot topic. And one of the things that we're finally beginning to kind of do a better job at allowing creativity and creating scenarios and situations for players that we expect the creativity and they know that uh, whether it's knowing when to speak up as a coach or when to maybe sit down and not speak up as a coach that is the the opportunity and the deciding factor of you allowing creativity or killing creativity is when we decide to speak um, and I think that that just happens to be uh, through our own competitive, our own uh, wanting to be of help, uh, wanting to be of support for players, we tend to almost uh, stifle creativity because we want to get involved. Uh, and I had a wonderful episode, a few episodes with Coach Carl DeWazian, and he speaks very clearly about that with 
um, the VS and the versus uh, one versus one uh, that that's VS standing for verbally silent because that's an opportunity during training for the coach to be verbally verbally silent and and what that's inevitably doing is allowing for creativity the player has to uh, make the decisions the player has to to consider the creativity. Uh, that he or she is going to incorporate into whatever they're doing in the scenario of the game that they're going through. So, you know, that that creativity, we have to instill that in our players. It has to start with your own desire as a leader and your own desire as a coach to grow uh, and personally, you know, go through kind of these creative thinking skills. You know, and, and we've got to face it here. We, Yeah, we play... And coach a simple game, but frankly, at the end of the day, it's the creativity that makes it fun, right? It, it's what when we're looking at it on or we're watching games on TV, it's that it's that individual creativity, uh, whether it's a coach, but more importantly, the players that the players are are bringing to that that stage that that make the game fun, uh, and whether again it's it's a last minute save that <clears throat> completely breaks. All suggested technique from a from a goalkeeper, right? You know they're doing everything wrong, but they make a phenomenal save. That's a top ten save on ESPN the next day. Um, you know that's spectacular. That's creativity because that's what it took to make that save. Or ultimately, let's just say it's that long cross, right? Banging it across from the left side. We're looking across it in. Uh, somehow it ends up in the top nine of the goal at the back post. And, you know, the player's looking like, oh, did this just happen? Oh, yeah, I meant to do that, right? But it's in the 90th minute. And it's that creativity, whether it's, you know, uh, on purpose or not, oftentimes that that's what creates the the fun that we all love and enjoy with the game of soccer. And I think it's that creativity that uh, our sport thrives on. And we as coaches uh, we're the starting point of holding players accountable to, to the creative thinking, the creative mindset uh, that we ourselves, you know, we've got to, we've got to tap into that, you know, while we're strategizing training sessions, we've got to tap into that while we're looking at formations for, for maybe upcoming matches or upcoming seasons with the players that we have, not the players that we see on TV every single weekend. Um, or, or potentially in that moment, it's the tactical changes that you as a coach might be kind of creatively structuring to unbalance an opponent. I think, again, those are all moments where we as leaders, um, we want creativity out of players, but sometimes players learn best from the leaders in charge. And I think if we're showing that creativity and that's a thread of what you are trying to do, uh, you're going to be much more convincing as a coach when you're asking your players to be creative because they see you as well on some level um, you know, taking your own advice. And I think that all of these, uh, these tasks, uh, to, to, to kind of have a creative mindset. Um, I think it's the, the think outside of the box philosophy, right? That, you know, it's necessary at times while performing within the confines of the rule book, we all have to do that. We have to, to push the bounds of, of what is possible. And I think, you know, Good coaches can follow programs, but but uh, I, I read something uh, while we were looking to prepare for this week's episode that you know that you know it said the, the quote was great coaches can follow programs, uh, but but great ones invent winning programs and in doing so create new direction and new ideas. Uh, which all of that was to say that, that these coaches are the ones that are transforming the sport that we play, uh, whether from a coaching or a playing perspective. Um, uh, you know, I think that 
without going into to the favorite coach of the, the decade here or having a conversation too much around that. You can't talk creativity and and not have Pep Guardiola's name come up. I mean, uh, without going into loads of, of detail and background about him, uh, you know, I think that in our sport, it's just really impossible to overlook, overlook what will likely go down as arguably one of the best coaches that probably the world has ever seen. Uh, he's definitely on the list, of course. Now, I, I don't care to to argue how close to the top of the list he is, but but we all, I think, can agree, no matter what your feelings about the teams he's coached are, that he is by far one of the greatest soccer minds and coaches that we have seen and we're able to learn from, which is a really phenomenal opportunity. You know, and Guardiola's teams are often known for for keeping possession, uh, you know, the, the press, and and just their relentless, relentless pressing, and and again that creativity, you know, it, it's that creativity that I think sets some of his teams apart from others uh, out there that you're watching uh, play on the weekends and throughout the weeks competitively, and I think that it's really no secret. Um, if you look anything up about Guardiola, you would know that. You know, a lot of his philosophy and his understanding of the game came from from Johan Cruyff, and uh, you know, I think that Cruyff was one of the early creators uh, and really an evolutionary man himself as it relates to the to the game of soccer. And I think that uh, to see Guardiola, who is, who learned so many things from Cruyff, and I know that he he as well, uh, Guardiola speaks to that very very uh, much throughout interviews and and other pieces that have come out that that it. I think it was said that during his uh, five or six years playing under Cruyff at Camp Nou, Guardiola uh, basically became kind of uh, obsessed with with Cruyff's absolute uh, preparation for matches, uh, and then learned from that. Guardiola learned so much that uh, that a match could be decided in in a million different ways, right? And there wasn't just way to one way to beat an opponent. Uh, but despite that, you know, you have to find a way. And I think that that uh, meticulous preparation that he learned from Cruyff obviously certainly became uh, a staple of uh, how Guardiola goes about coaching his teams. And I also, you know, if, if you know anything about Guardiola, I think that his his desire to win is by far the, the, the biggest desire of anything that he does. And in everything that he does, he does it for the victory. Um, so maybe youth coaches don't take too much out of that particular book because you might face a bit of pushback. But, I mean, listen, that that's that's what is expected uh, of him. And I think that despite the um, the immense pressure that, that, you know, Pep is under a lot of the times, that he as an individual is still a student of the game. Um, and I think that like Cruyff pushed the game forward, Guardiola is doing the same for all of us that are out here watching and learning from from him, and I think that that's definitely in, influenced uh, a lot of coaches out there. Hopefully, uh, that the you have to have the mentality of constantly seeking creativity in everything that you do. Uh, this is a game of creativity. This is a game uh, that that continues to evolve, and through through creativity, uh, we have uh, essentially the evolution of the game. Uh, so I think that you know, listen, 
love him, hate him. What I guess if you hate him, you have to respect him, right? But but at the end of the day, if you if you can gain anything from Guardiola, is that his ability to really enable and in, and encourage players' creativity is certainly one of the things that uh, that is stand out for. Uh, what will be likely one of the, the greatest coaches the game's ever known. Um, so again, so for the fourth one, we're thinking back through creativity, right? So enhancing your creative thinking skills, and uh, that's going out and, and again, looking at others. This is kind of ties into three, accelerate your rate of learning faster than your opposition. But again, that's that creativity, going out, watching other coaches, that's something you have to think about. Um it's definitely defining the difference between great coaches and good coaches, average coaches and excellent coaches uh, is their ability to, to, to remain creative. Um, it, our sport definitely thrives on players and coaches who are creative. Um, and we as coaches, again, have to hold players accountable for that creativity, but we also need to understand uh, different strategies for not stifling creativity, knowing when to talk, knowing when not to talk. Those are just those are just uh, specific uh, examples of that uh, that Coach Carl would certainly have some opinions on. So we'll throw that out to him. But it's true, right? Um, sometimes speaking up too much stifles the creativity and, and and creates a situation where players just they aren't able to make their decisions themselves. So uh, take it from Guardiola's book, and uh, I think that if you seek to 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 achieve at his level uh even if you fall short you'd still be a phenomenal knockout coach so number five and the final one here coach individuals even in team sports listen uh how do we come up with this well we were thinking that realistically there aren't there aren't any any team sports anymore uh every significant moment in any game boils down to somebody against somebody whether it's a forward against a goalkeeper goalkeeper against a forward uh defender uh coach against a coach parent against a parent in the parking lot no just we we hope that's not the case but no i mean in seriousness we're talking it's always a versus uh in the games and defining moments are defined by one player beating another player whether that's attacking or defensively um and i think that with performance analysis nowadays uh, i mean maybe not at the youth level as much but it's getting there right that uh, millimeters of fractions of seconds of every single move uh, that an athlete makes the identifying the strengths and weaknesses of players. I mean, it is hit an all-time high, and that's the advantage of technology for sure. Uh, But again, uh, we're looking at individuals out there. Yes, these are team sports. Yes, we have to think about the team as a whole, but we have to remember that we're coaching individuals, and each and every player is a unique challenge themselves. And I think that, I mean, think about it this way. We've got players out there wearing sports bras or what you think they're sports bras, but what are those unique crazy vests that you see all these pro players out there wearing? And uh, for those of you that don't know, these vests uh, are essentially a a GPS system. So uh, they look kind of like bulletproof vests underneath their, their jerseys, but each vest is equipped with a small uh, GPS device and it essentially localizes every single player. So someone is looking at that particular player and 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 they're telling you know heart rate uh, is recorded, the distance the player's running, the the amount of intensity they're running, how fast, how many times they sprint, what's their acceleration rate, uh, and also down to you know if you look and you're wondering how in the world are they getting this? Well, this is how they're getting it. How many tackles they're making. Um, how many passes? I mean, it is absolutely mind-boggling the amount of data that is being collected on individual players in in the span of ninety minutes or, or whatever they're playing. So I think that 
the game is headed in that direction. Now, does that mean that every single player out there on the youth field is going to be wearing a, a GPS device? No, um, and hopefully it doesn't get there. Uh, but uh, but but nonetheless, I mean, we have to consider that that this is an individual sport played as a team. Um, and that if you're training uh, 5, 10, 11, 16 players, all in the same methodology, all in the exact same way, we, again, are getting into to not in, encouraging creativity and individuality. So uh, I think that that one kind of – we wanted to round it out by just remembering that, listen, uh, there is no one-size-fits-all uh, solution to, to coaching players and athletes. And we as coaches, uh, to be a good coach – we have to have the habit and make it a habit to remember the individual. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you, you have a training session with three different tiers and levels in it, but maybe you do. Maybe you, maybe you know your team well enough to know and your group of players well enough to know that you, know, you need a few different players uh, doing it one particular way, subtly, uh, that allows them to be successful, whereas other players at a different level are able to push a little bit harder, all within the same confines of the same drill and the same setup, uh, the same session. So, uh, you know, I think that those are things that we definitely need to consider and we need to remember that coaching individuals is what it's all about. Though they play as a unit on the weekends, um, you know, yes, that's, that's true, but it's all about the growth, uh, and, and great great coaches have the habit of making sure they don't forget about the individuals that are on their team as opposed to the unit, the group themselves. Um, it's not the no I in team thing. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about the realistic way that we can grow athletes and really encourage uh, that development. So, you know, a great example I was reading, um, uh, you know, I forget what it was, just an article online about a month or so back that I, that I came across my inbox. And it was a Division One coach, and she was out of Florida, uh, that invited two world-class triathlete uh, triathlon coaches to attend her preseason training camps. And uh, she was saying that basically her thinking was that, you know, in a triathlon, you are, you're all about individuals, and every individual has to push themselves individually to uh, an insane physical limit, uh, whether that's doing a half Ironman, a full Ironman, uh, you know, it's, it's all, it's all in the mind and, uh, it's, can your mind overcome the physical challenges that your body is going through? And, and she brought these, these triathlon coaches in to, to really, uh, talk through that, that concept with the players. And, uh, you know, I think that, Thinking about the individual players and identifying for this particular college coach, the the idea that each player deals with with physical and mental challenges differently, um, I think making that connection from what is a still triathlon still boils down to person versus person, so it doesn't completely bust my philosophy. But I mean, it's very true, right? It's you know, you as the individual, as a part of a team, are going through your own challenges, whether that's fitness related, whether that's technique related, whether you're you're defending a, a world class attacker that's three times as fast as you. You know, I mean, these are all individual challenges we're facing that do impact uh, the team overall. And the particular article goes on and 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 says that you know okay so what's the outcome of this she had she had these triathlon coaches come in talking to the team about what it means to be mentally tough and to to try to push through the physical limits as well through through the power of the mind and um you know i think that 
this team ended up being uh, finishing. I forget exactly what it was in the uh, in the NCAA tournament, but they finished uh, third or fourth, I think. And it was a surprise for sure. They were a good team leading up to that in years past, but but uh, you know you, you can't credit it quite to that. But you definitely can hope. And you, you can make those connections, right? It's all about the mindset and the philosophy that, that we as coaches are taking to encourage players. Um, so, you know, in thinking about these five habits, uh, we, listen, we hope that this is, is a great uh, roadmap for, for all, all learn, listeners, all coaches, wherever you might be. We do acknowledge the fact that, that, you know, for some of these, they might be more applicable than others. But I hope that these five habits, and we'll run back through them one more time, I hope that these five habits of truly effective coaches deliver some content to you that maybe you haven't quite thought of the same way that we went through it today. Um, trying to give some context, some examples. Uh, listen, the bottom line is if you do none of these and you do one thing is just try to evolve as a coach. Try to grow over this next season and try to tap into the learning process that at some point as a player of some sport or, or as a human being, you had to learn something. And, and we all have to kind of think back, right? Revert, revert, resort back to 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 learning to to being that 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 player concept that player mindset to where we don't know everything we don't think we know everything but we want to learn everything and i think that if we if we as coaches can do this you're going to find success that you may have never found in years past or seasons prior um for those of you doing this already phenomenally well uh we will touch back on a few more habits down the road so hopefully if you are already uh the the top level elite coach here knocking out all of these out of the park we applaud your hard work because we know it takes hard work to get to a position where you are um, exceeding expectations and constantly pushing yourself to be better so for that we applaud those coaches um you know, so let's go back through them real fast before we wrap up today's episode of Between the Post. Uh, number one of the five habits of truly effective coaches was make training more challenging and more demanding than the game you face each week. Number two, never cease to learn and develop as a coach faster than the players you are coaching. So again, it's that constant growth, right? And making sure that we're not creating the limit of development for our players because of our own limits as a coach ourselves. Number three, accelerate your rate of learning faster than your opposition. Sometimes we face other coaches that are phenomenal coaches, top world-class coaches at the youth game, whatever it might be, uh, elite coaches in your area, and you have to outsmart, out tactic out play out wit kind of like the survivor philosophy but uh i mean in all seriousness listen you've got to you've got to outwork and you've got to grow faster than the coaches at certain levels that you are facing on the weekends when it boils down to just tactical adjustments and uh that might not apply to everyone uh but i think it applies in some form or you know it taps into the competitive nature of coaches out there to try to want to out do our our opposing competitive coaches on the sidelines and i think that's not a bad idea to have you know all in the all in the fun of the game of course but i think that that is a wonderful concept uh to make sure we're kind of thinking through and pushing in number four enhance your creative thinking skills and don't forget creativity is uh, probably one of the the main differences between good coaches and great coaches um and i think that our creativity and being a leader of creative mindset creative creative thinking uh 
I think that that will will serve as as kind of a standard for our players that are on our teams when they see a coach being creative, whether that's a tactical creativity or or something else, whether it's just training sessions that that encourage creativity. I think that setting that standard for players will actually help grow them as individuals, uh, and I think is definitely a, a, a huge huge aspect of of what great coaches are doing out there. Look at Pep Guardiola again. Um, encouraging players to to be creative at the very very top levels uh, that we have in the sport. So, number five and finally, coach individuals even in team sports. And listen, we've got to think about this realistically. Here is that every single player is going through their own unique challenges, and every single player um, on our teams uh, is in a different place, whether it's mentally or physically, or probably both all at the same time. We have to remember that through our training sessions, remember that through our preparation, remember that when we're talking to each individual and remember the fact that there is no one size fits all solution to player development, to supporting players and growing players. And we as coaches have to think about the individual as much as we think about the team, because the individual does make up a critical link in the chain of a team. I hope this has been a wonderful episode and a wonderful time for you in listening to to me go through the five habits and what we feel are the five habits of truly effective coaches. Please listen and understand this one thing. There are a million more that we've missed, a million more that we haven't considered, and a million more that you are already doing. And for that, we applaud you. We appreciate your understanding as we tackle hopefully what are five habits that uh, that bridge many different levels of coaches, many different types of coaches, many potentially many different sports as well. But we really truly hope that you know, we, uh, we've introduced some concepts, philosophies, and habits that you can take into your training sessions, your preparation for next season, and improve the players that are around you and are on the teams you're working with. This has been Tyler Vaughn on another episode of Between the Post, where we tackled the five habits of truly effective coaches. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you're listening to here, we, we we're grateful that you've spent time with us. We would be even more grateful if you would leave us a review, give us a rating. Um, it helps us get to in front of more coaches, more players, and it truly helps us uh, make an impact that is greater. Uh, unfortunately, though, we don't quite care as much about the data, the rates, the ratings, and all that good stuff. It does feel nice to see it. Uh, Everyone else cares about it in terms of the players out there, and it gives us more credibility. It gives us more of an opportunity uh, when someone's looking for coaching education to be able to pop up in front of them, right? And I think that uh, we hope that we're impacting coaches, and that's the reason we're doing this. So if you feel so compelled to leave us a a review and a rating, uh, or if you have any suggestions, please don't forget to reach out. Suggestions, concepts, anything you want us to tackle, to weave in, we would be happy. If there's someone, uh, so many of the the guests we've had on uh, and and will have on in the future are coming from, from listeners out there. Uh, that are reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, phenomenal episode. You should really consider talking to this guy or this gal. And I mean, those are that's how we're finding these these great, wonderful coaches out there above and beyond the networks that we already have and the friends in coaching we already have. And we want to continue to do that. We want to meet new people, interview new people and hear new philosophies. It's all about creativity. And we on Between the Post want to make sure that we are doing our part to support you, the coach, you the player or you the parent through motivation, inspiration, and education. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on another episode of Between the Posts.